and welcome to I Read a Book Once. My name is Emma and this is a podcast where I talk about books. Today I'm going to be talking about The X-Hex by Aaron Sterling, aka Rachel Hawkins, because that is a pen name, which is something I'm going to talk about in the discussion section because I have very intense opinions about the use of a pen name in this particular situation. Not in all situations. I think in general, pen names are fine and something that you should use if you want to use one. I don't know. But in this particular situation, I have thoughts. So the X-Hex is a Halloween-themed romance novel, and so obviously, I had to read it. Now, this was one of my two October Book of the Month picks, and I'm slotting it in here. If you didn't listen to the last episode about the haunting of Hill House, then you're not going to be aware of kind of why this didn't come on its normal day and what's going on. But basically, I became a seasonal reader for the month of October, which is kind of wild because I'm not a huge Halloween person. Now, that's not to say I don't like Halloween. I do, especially when I was younger, but I don't enjoy scary things. So as I've gotten older, there's been less for me to enjoy because I'm too old to trick or treat and eat all that delicious Halloween candy, which I also shouldn't be eating because I found out I have some cavities today when I went to the dentist. (sighs) I'm very upset about it, honestly. It makes me kind of depressed. I don't want to talk about it anymore, but that's your life update on me. I went to the dentist and I got some bad news, but it's okay. We're going to take care of it and I'll be fine. But anyways, this is a romance novel and it was described as Halloween Town meets Hocus Pocus, which I take personal offense to because I don't think that's true, but it is a Halloween-themed romance novel, and I'm going to talk all about it in this episode. So basically, I got bamboozled into reading all these Halloween-themed reads, even though I'm not a seasonal reader, and so my posting schedule for this month got all messed up. I was so ahead of track, ahead of schedule. I was going to be talking about bringing down the Duke and then Portrait of a Scotsman, but now you get to hear all of that in November instead. So look forward to those episodes coming at you soon. But anyways, this is about the X-Hex. If you don't want this book to be spoiled for you, stop here, go read the book, I would generally recommend it. I think it's fine for like a quick casual read. It's nothing groundbreaking, but I had a good time. I'm not mad about reading it. And, uh, but I would definitely only read it during Halloween. So you better get a move on. Read it, come back, listen to this episode. I have thoughts, opinions, and things to share with all of you. So I hope you're ready for that. So let's get into the plot summary. Um, it's only a 300 page book. So how much could I possibly have to say? I guess we're about to find out. So the book starts nine years in the past and the main character, Vivi or Vivian, and the main guy character whose name is Reese is Welsh. And for some reason in my mind, I had him pronouncing her name as Vivienne instead of Vivian, even though that's not how a Welsh accent works. And she normally just goes by Vivi. But those are their names. So nine years ago, they had a summer fling relationship together, but it felt very serious. And at the end of the summer, Reese tells her that he needs to go home because he is betrothed. She obviously is not all about that, breaks up with him, leaves, is heartbroken, and her and her cousin get drunk and they mix witchcraft and vodka, which you should never do, and they curse him. Nine years pass, Vivi is now a um, professor, but she doesn't have a PhD, but she's a professor at the local college that is actually named after Reese's family, the Penhollows, who were the founders of this town. They are both witches because apparently 
all all people with magic are just witches. There's no warlocks, just witches. And a hundred years ago, his great uncle came and founded the town. And so every 25 years, or actually only 75 years ago this happened, every 25 years, a pen hollow has to show up and recharge the ley lines and the magic of the town. Reese has been tasked by his father, who he does not get along with, to do that. He doesn't want to go because he knows Vivi is still there, and they obviously left on very bad terms. So he goes back, and the moment he goes back, the curse takes effect. And he almost dies twice. Once Vivi almost hits him with the, her car once he first gets there. And then another time a statue almost falls on him. And their first interactions are like, mm, not great. Because she's still mad at him and he's like, mm. And so then they, he's like, do you want to see the ley lines with me when I go to charge them? So she's like, yeah, sure. So she goes with and there's sexual energy in this cave. Not sure what that was about. And he tries to charge the lines but he um, accidentally curses the town because his curse magic that was on him goes into the ley lines and now the town is cursed and everybody's magic is going haywire. So Vivi's cousin Gwen and her aunt, I think Elaine is the aunt's name, have this uh, shop where they sell like witchy things even though people don't know that they're witches and they have plastic skulls that are going crazy. The next day they... Reese and Vivi go to the library at the college and they're doing research and a ghost named Piper is like in there like terrorizing people. There's like other incidents that are going going on. Also at the library, Reese and Vivi um, start to rekindle their romance. There is um, a little bit of action that happens, but the ghost stops them from going any further. And then they're just trying to figure out, you know, both what they're going to do about the romantic tension that still uh, sizzles between them and what they're going to do about this curse. Reese does not call his father, which is dumb because he is obviously going to know how to break the spell or the curse. He does call his older brother who doesn't know anything but promises to look into it and then we never hear from the brother ever again. And then um, a witch comes by who says she, so like this college has both normal classes, which Vivi teaches, and classes for witches. So this witch comes and she's like, hey, I'm a professor over there. And Vivi's like, hmm, this is kind of odd. She's young, but that's cool. Maybe we could be friends. And I also was not suspicious. But spoiler, it does turn out that she's a liar and gives them this Eurydice... Eurydice I should know how to say this. I just saw Hadestown. Eurydice candle. Orpheus and Eurydice. Eurydice. How do you say? I don't know. This candle and when you light it, the ghost spirit gets trapped in there. And so her and Reese go to this haunted house and they... um trap her ghost and they give it and then they find out that this girl was actually not a witch at all and was just gonna sell this ghost to the highest bidder but before they trap the ghost she says something about like you're cursed pen hollow like I, you're all cursed like you're getting what comes to you and Vivi's like oh I did the curse and she's like no so we're like hmm is there something else going on we should be aware of but we don't know the witch go uh, the ghost goes away and we're like okay whatever and then Vivian Reese decide they should have some sex. And then they do a lot, considering it's only a 300-page book. And then, like, a few weeks pass, and then the dad shows up, and he's like, why didn't you tell me? This is serious stuff. And he's like, mm, we were, like, working on it. We did some research, and also they had a lot of sex, but whatever. And then the dad is basically, like, tells them kind of how to get rid of a curse, but I don't really remember what he said. And then they find out that, so then Reese tracks down this ghost 
And they find the Amanda girl who's actually, that was a fake name, but I don't remember her real name, who gives them the candle back. They set the ghost free and they talk to her. And it turns out that actually it was Vivi's ancestor who founded the town. Um, Reese's ancestor stole his stole all of her magic and drained her that and it killed her. And that was what ended up founding the town, which that's kind of dark now that I'm thinking about it. So they find out that the reason why the curse is so bad is Vivi did place the curse, but her ancestor gave her the necessary magical fuel to do that because she hates the Penhallows and wants revenge and would love nothing more than to see Reese die and the town crumble. But Vivi loves living there. Also, interestingly, she's not that powerful of a witch. She like never does magic, but okay. And so not okay, like, okay, she could do this, but just like, okay, that's a thing I should have noted earlier. And so then they find that out and it's going to be Halloween and that's the best night to undo the curse. So they go to the graveyard and Vivi summons the ghost of her ancestor, whose name I don't remember, which is actually really difficult magic, but she's able to do it with the help of her aunt and her cousin. And the ghost talks to Reese and gets and like ends up agreeing like, okay, I'll undo this curse because I can see that there's love in both of your hearts and whatever. But then she can't actually undo it. She like decides she's going to, but then she doesn't have any magic because, you know, she's a spirit. She's dead. And so then Vivi comes back and is like, what happened? And he's like, oh, you know, you know. And then she's like, no, this is not how it ends. And they go to the ley lines. And this time, because they now know that their family are also founders of this town, or maybe even the true founders, her, her aunt and her cousin charge and put their own magic into the ley lines and they break the curse which was actually really satisfying. I really enjoyed that sort of plot element of it. And then Reese and Vivi have both realized that they are in love with each other again for the second time. But Reese isn't able to tell Vivi before all of this ritual stuff happens. And then afterwards, she doesn't want to hear it. She like basically says goodbye to him because he's supposed to leave and go back to his travel company and do whatever. And then he does leave. But then... Three months later, he's back and he's gotten himself a position at the university on the witch side of the college because he's in love with her and he don't want to leave her. And she's like, oh my God, and we can travel back and forth. We don't always just have to stay here. And that was the X-Hex. Bam. That was a fast plot summary, which good for me because your girl does not want to be sitting here editing like 40 minutes of audio because I don't have time for that. I truly just... I don't have the mental capacity to handle it. So maybe you're going to get a shorter episode because of that, but you're also getting three episodes of content next week for the Finch Merlin Halloween special. Oh, spoiler, that's coming. That's coming, everybody. And it is good. It is really good. I'll get back to that later. Anyways, so let's hop into the discussion section. And I think what we need to start with is that the Halloween Town meets Hocus Pocus claim that was put all over the internet and like all the bookstagrammers were posting like, oh, a ho- this was advertised as a Halloween Town meets Hocus Pocus, blah, 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 lies. It's lies. Because I've been re-watching the Halloween Town movies because those are my favorite Halloween movies. I'm a baby. I don't like anything scary and they're nostalgic, okay? And so I remember what happens to them because I've just been refreshed. Hocus Pocus, I've only seen one time. I know. I know that's blasphemous, but I only saw it once and I saw it in college. And I was listening to this podcast the other day. I don't remember which one. 
I think actually it was the Demi Lovato 4D podcast and in the interview with Jonathan, Jonathan Van Ness, but I can't remember for sure. And they were saying how, like, if you didn't watch that movie as a child, you don't have the same nostalgic feelings. You don't, like, like it as much as people who did. Because I was like, what what is this movie? So I have more vague recollection of the plot of that movie. But I know basically what happens. And I'm very up to date on Halloween Town. And the plot of this is nothing like either of those movies. People who are familiar with both and just listen to my plot summary, you can attest to that. In Halloween Town, Marnie finds out that she's a witch. And then they go back to the town, which is cursed, but by somebody else is like, actually, the town's not even cursed until the second movie, okay? Somebody's just stealing people. And then her and her family undo it. And I will say the similarity is that her, Vivi ends up using her family to undo a curse, okay? Because they have to use all their magic. But that's kind of like archetypal, like that happens like, it's like generic, not like it's generic, but like genre generic, okay? But Vivi's already known that she's been a witch, so we don't have that sort of thing going on. In Hocus Pocus, they accidentally get the somebody turned into a cat. No, that's prior. I don't know. There's like a curse and they undo it and the witches are evil. Again, this is not similar. The witches are not evil. The town is not cursed. Like It just doesn't, they're not the same. Basically, I think what happened is they were like, oh my God, this is the perfect Halloween romance. And in order to advertise it, we are going to take the two most famous non-scary Halloween movies and say that this book is Halloween Town meets Hocus Pocus. It's like the perfect mix-up mashup of the two plus romance because those movies are not romance movies. But I have to say it was false advertising. Now, I'm not mad I read this book, okay? I generally enjoyed it. I'm going to talk more about that in a little bit because like I have some feelings. But anyways, but the most strong feeling this book elicited for me is the fact that I'm upset that I was lied to. And like I knew I was going to be lied to. I knew it wasn't just going to be the plot of Halloween Town and Hocus Pocus smashed together but made into a romance and then I was going to read it because that's not very original at all. That doesn't like need its own story. But like it just was a lie and the lie made me upset. Because it's really not like either of those at all, other than the fact that she's a witch and it's at Halloween. And so, like, I didn't need that advertising. You could have just said, this is a Halloween romance novel. And I would have said, it's October. I think I should read it. Okay? I I would say that. And I am not a seasonal reader. So, let's stop with the lies. Let's stop with the false advertising. Okay? And let's actually explain what things are about. All right? All right. Moving on. But actually, on the false advertising page, can we just take a moment to talk about the cover, which is actually super cute. I actually really like the cover a lot. But at the top, you have Vivi and Reese on a broom flying through the sky. They don't talk about... There's a broom once to, like, broom away, which is how I say sweep, because I always forget the word sweep exists, to broom away the, like, haunted skull like toy things in the witch shop which i talked about briefly in the plot summary that's the only time a broom is mentioned they don't fly on any brooms we're never told if that's a thing witches can actually do so that's also fast false advertising however it does make for a cute cover i'm not mad at the cover although that is false advertising i was waiting for them to fly on a broom the entire book but whatever I think what I need to talk about next is seasonal reads because I've been kind of hinting at it throughout. 
So I've said this before and I'm about to say it again, and I've even said it before in this podcast, but I'm not a seasonal reader. There are some people in like much love and respect to them that read certain types of books throughout the year. So like for instance, they during fall and October, they might read more thrillers, horror, more scary things, or maybe historical fiction, something like that. And then during the summer, it might be they want more lighter romance or contemporaries, things like that, right? Or like fantasy, maybe is also a fall or winter. Like some people just have like the seasonal mindset, right? Or for example, reading a book about Halloween only during Halloween time, only during October. Reading a book set at Christmas during Christmas time, things like that. I am not usually a seasonal reader. Now, am I a seasonal watcher of media? Yes. Am I a seasonal reader? No, I'm not. I'm really just going to read whatever I want whenever I want to. Have I read a book set at Christmas during the middle of summer? Yes, I have, and I enjoyed it immensely. I do enjoy books at Christmas, okay? Do I only read... Okay, let's be fair. I don't read thrillers usually, but if I was going to, I wouldn't constrict myself to only reading it during fall. I don't only read romance novels during the heat of summer. I don't only read beach reedy sort of things during summer, like, or when I'm on a beach or whatever, right? So, like, I really don't care. Whatever I feel like reading, I'm just going to read, even if it doesn't match the vibe of the weather or the season or the month or whatever. But I got bamboozled into doing it this October. And so, like, I do want to say, like, I did like this book. It was fun to read in October. And I'm going to talk about that in a bit. But Oh, actually, no, I have this written down as the same plot point. Go me. So if you remember, during December of last year, I did a Christmas episode on In a Holidays by Christina Lauren. And I knew going into that book, I was probably not going to like it because there it just didn't sound that interesting. Okay, it did. But like, there was something about it where I just knew, I just knew that it wasn't going to be what I wanted it to be. And so, like, I don't know. And I had kind of a similar reading experience with this one, although I liked this one more and I would be more likely to recommend this book to somebody. However, I'm not going to be able to loan this to anybody because it's basically the end of October at this point. But if you haven't read it and you listened to this before Halloween and you want a book that's Halloween themed and cute, this is it. But, um... I, when I first saw this was a book of the month pick, I immediately was like, oh my god, yes, this is so great, I need it. And then uh, I started to get nervous because I've had interesting luck with these romance seasonal reads. And I did a little bit of Googling, some light Googling, which you know I'm not supposed to do. I'm not, I shouldn't do it because reading reviews before I read a book always biases my thought process going in, which is never good. That's not to say I'm okay when I like watch somebody's review on booktube, but to read an in-depth review, like a lot of them really is not good for me. And it was like, everybody was like, this is pretty good, but it's average. And I kind of have to agree with that. I think I'm going to talk about Rachel Hawk or Erin Sterling, aka Rachel Hawkins later on in the episode, but like she is primarily a young adult and a little bit of middle grade writer. And I think it kind of showed, which I'll I'll talk about that later. But like, so I was hesitant then. So because then I read these, I was hesitant going into it and I kept waiting for it to disappoint me. 
And the book never disappointed me, but I don't think I gave it a fair enough shot because I went in thinking, actually, you know what, this is probably just going to be average. And because it's not spectacular, it didn't, like, sometimes when you read a book and you're not, you're like, this is probably just going to be fine, whatever. And then it's, like, better than normal. You're like, actually, wait, this was good. But, like, when it doesn't deliver, I don't know. I don't feel disappointed, per se, and I'm not, like, mad that I read this. But I'm also, like, it was just there. Like, it was fun. It was light. It was good. Sweet. Am I going to reread this? Probably not. Am I, like, did I feel like I wasted my time? No, because it was kind of fun. And I saw one um, review after I finished it that was saying, like, it was a very plot-driven romance with not a lot of romance. And I'm not sure necessarily if I agree with them because I felt like there was a lot of sex scenes in a three hundred in this short 300-page book, which, like, I wasn't mad about. But I also, it wasn't a one of those, sometimes you read a romance novel and the sex scenes are just really good and you really care about the characters and maybe it might also be an erotic romance novel so the entire plot is sex. And you're like looking forward to those scenes, like you're enjoying them. But other times you read a romance novel that's maybe still even an erotic romance novel and the sex scenes are just like fine and you're kind of like, I'd rather have more plot. And this was a book where I was like, I'd rather have more plot. Like, cool, they had some sex, but also the sex scenes were not very descriptive. It was a little bit of a fade to black, which is totally fine. I respect that. Especially this is this author's first foray into romance and part of the reason for the pen name. And so, like, I respect that. Like, I don't know if I personally could write an intense sex scene in a book. So, like, I don't think that to meet the, the romance genre criteria and to, like, be a good book that you need that. But, like, to have so many that are kind of, like, vague, it didn't really do it for me. Like, I'd rather have had a little bit more plot. Like, one thing that I thought was that they really didn't take the curse very seriously at all. They really just, like, were fooling around with each other, you know what I mean? And, like, we're just trying to put out fires and, like, kind of do some research. But, like, they could have gone to more witches. They could have gone to his father earlier. Like, there was a lot of things that they could have done to like seriously or like the author could have been like they were actually seriously looking into how to break this curse like spending night and day looking into it and the author literally has like a paragraph where she's like I think it's from Reese's point of view and he's like so we've been like looking but like only casually because we're spending half our time having sex and then she's teaching some of the time at her job and then we'll look but you know we haven't really had any success and it's like shocking I'm like, wow, that's so shocking you haven't really had any success considering the fact that you're not really looking or tapping into the resources that are actually going to know the answer to this question. Like, okay, I'm shocked. So I'm being a little harsh and I think I really lost the point and like started like going off into like a whole other point of what I was talking about because I was talking about seasonal reads and how much I liked this book. I don't know. I think I just have to like, I lost the plot and I just kept going talking about the actual plot. So there you go with that. Let's move on. You know, we need to talk about this pen name because I've been teasing it this entire episode and I think I just need to get it over with instead of continuing to tease you. So this is, like I said earlier, 
I totally respect pen names, especially this is this author's first foray into romance. And like I said, there are some sex scenes. I think they're below average in um, writing quality of the sex scenes, which, you know, could be because it's her first romance novel, but like, whatever. I don't know if her other novels have sex scenes because I've only read a few of them, which I'll talk about, but I don't remember. I don't know. Hmm. Interesting thought. Anyways, so like, I think that romance is probably one of the genres with the most pen names being used because a lot of times people don't want the everyday average person or, you know, their mother or somebody like that knowing that they're writing these sexy novels. Not all of them are sexy, you know, but anyways. And so, like, I get wanting to use the pen name for it. I do. And I respect the use of the pen name. However, let me read the author bio at the back of the book. It literally has her picture, and then it says, Erin Sterling also writes as Rachel Hawkins, the best-selling author of multiple books for young readers. And then there's, like, a little bit more, like, three more sentences. But my whole thing is, if you're going to have a pen name, why is it revealed literally in the first sentence of your author bio what your real name is and that this is just a pen name? Because, like, you don't even have to do any research. You don't have to do literally any digging to find out who actually wrote this book. Like, it would be one thing if it's just like, Erin Sterling is a pen name. And you're like, oh, okay, cool. And it like doesn't actually like have any real information about her. And then I have to like actually go on to Google and like look and do my thing to figure this out. But like if you read, if you literally just read the author bio at the end or in the inside flap, it tells you what her real name is. And that's what irks me. What is the point of the pen name to then reveal your real name literally not even four words later, okay? That's what bugs me about it because it just feels stupid. It feels like, who cares? You've already said what your real name is. Just publish this under your real name. The only reason I could think she would do this is if this is a different publisher than her normal publishing house and she has some sort of contract that she can't publish under her real name under some other publishing house. I don't know how publishing book publishing works, so I don't know if that's a thing that could happen, but that's my only thought. I have actually read a Rachel Hawkins novel before, three of them, in fact. I read the Hex Hall series back in either middle school or early high school. I don't have the books anymore. I'm pretty sure we gave them away just a year ago, but I read them. I do remember them being oddly sexy for being a middle grade story, but also maybe I'm wrong. And really the only thing I remember is this girl finds out she's either like a witch or a demon or like something like that. And her name ends in E because the first interaction with the main love guy character is him guessing that her name ends in E. I think her name maybe is Sophie because all the like cool girls names end in E like Kelly, Annie, Sophie. I don't know. I'm making these names up. And I finished the series, but I don't think I liked it that much. And so, like, I said this a bit earlier. She does have a one adult novel called The Wife Upstairs, which blew up. It was super, super popular. I never read it. I think it's a thriller. I don't like thrillers. I don't really remember how well it was received. But I will say that the writing in this, I don't want to say it was, like, reading a YA novel, because obviously there's a lot of sex, which makes it different. But, like, it wasn't as sophisticated of writing as you might see in some adult romance novels, you know? I think people hate on them and think that they're not very sophisticated, that the writers of it are not that good of writing writers. They're just writing trashy romance. And I beg to disagree. I don't think that's true at all. But I did think that the writing in this was pretty average. 
I think that like the her writing style might be more suited to YA. She is has made the transition over into more of adult fiction and not just like, you know, adult fiction, i.e. romance, but like whatever. So that's what I have to say about the author. I don't think I would pick up another one of her books. Um, yeah. I will say that I saw the other thing was like, oh, turn this into a Hallmark movie. This can't be a Hallmark movie because there was so much sex and like the sex being kind of like an important plot point, you know, not necessarily like later on when they're having all the sex, but just in general, that is not something that can be mentioned on Hallmark. Are you kidding me? So I think that what this actually would be good as is like a Netflix movie because Netflix is like, yeah, they can have the sex, but also... I think that it would just make a good movie. It's short. It would be a fun rom-com. It doesn't, like, I do think it needs to have sex scenes of some sort. I'm not saying they need to be, they could be fade to black, but, like, the romantic, like, in, what is that word? Intimate, the intimate relationship between them is actually important to the plot and how it progresses and things like that. But I think it could make a good movie. I would, if it got turned into a movie, I would definitely watch it, hands down, no doubt. I think that I might even enjoy it better as a movie because it would just be like fun for like 90 minutes, just having a good time, whatever. Not to say I didn't have fun reading this. It was like good, whatever. I feel like when I read a book like this and then I'm like doing these episodes, I'm not convincing anybody to read this book because I'm like, it was good. But, like, it was good. It was just average, okay? Like, if you're looking for, like, a fun, quick seasonal read, then this is it. But if you're looking for something mind-blowing or it's not Halloween season, then this is not, this book isn't it then. I don't know. That is all I have to say about the X-Hex by Aaron Sterling, a.k.a. Rachel Hawkins. We all all know it's you, Rachel, because you literally told us. You literally told us. But whatever whatever, live in your fake anonymity. Okay, so what's coming up next? Everybody, it's time. It is time for the Finch Merlin Halloween special. This is also going to be a three-part Halloween special. Yay! So, if you're not familiar, last year at Halloween, I did a three-part Halloween special on the Harley Merlin series. The Finch Merlin series is the eight-book spinoff of that nine-book series. And I finally finished all of them just in time. And so I will be releasing episodes. I will be releasing three episodes next week to celebrate Halloween and talk all about this fun fantasy series. So the very first episode is going to be coming out on Tuesday, October 26th, followed by the second episode on Thursday, October 28th. And the final episode will be posted on Saturday, October 30th. So you definitely should check them out. I've been having so much fun just listening back to the audio and editing it. And so I'm, I promise that it is a good time. It is so fun. So I'm definitely, you guys need to check that out next week. But until then, follow me on Instagram at I read a book once blog. You can DM me there your thoughts on the X Hex, this episode, this podcast, Halloween, the upcoming series, anything you want. Feel free to DM me. You could also send me an email at iveadabookonceblog at gmail.com and let me know your thoughts, opinions, comments, whatever there as well. You could also check out my now defunct website, iveadabookonceblog.com, where I have old blog posts and haven't updated it in literally almost a year. 
but it's there. I own the rights to it, but no longer can I edit it because I'm not paying that money now. And also, please, please, please rate, review, and subscribe to my podcast on your podcast platform. It would mean so much to me and it would help other people find my podcast. And I would love you forever if you do it. So with that, this was I Read a Book Once. My name is Emma and I'll catch you guys next time.